0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, your brothers and sisters in Christ on this wonderful Christmas Eve. How is your Christmas going so far? Okay, we got some thumbs up. We got, I always like this one. This is a muddling, yeah. Somewhere in between. Yet to be seen, right? I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that Christmas time probably has a little more... um, let me put it that way. I think maybe at Christmas time the intensity gets ratcheted up just a little bit. And there's a lot of reasons, I think, for that, right? Uh, um, um, I think we earnestly want Christmas to go well. We earnestly want it to create good memories. We want people to enjoy themselves. But we also know how hard it is relationally. We also know how difficult it is to, to maybe try to keep everything in line. So I'd venture to say that Christmas maybe turns your stress level up just a notch or two, Uh, I think that's probably true of all of us. I kind of found this out personally when I I was, um, when Jamie and I were younger in our marriage, and um, you can imagine Christmas always matters, but as a young family, somehow I, like, we really wanted to make it exactly right. And you can maybe imagine why. You're creating some of your own traditions you're doing things in your own way you're asking yourself how what are my kids going to know how are they going to celebrate Christmas so all of this goes into it but at the center of all that of trying to make Christmas just right usually is some kind of Christmas tree right out of all your celebrations out of all the things you do smack dab in the middle of all those things is usually a Christmas tree and so, when I was a young man, when Jamie and I were young in our marriage, I wanted to make sure we wanted to make sure that that was going to go all right. And so, we got our Christmas tree, and we thought it was just the exact perfect one that we that we needed. Um, this was our very first church; we were placed in, in uh, North Branch, Michigan, in the Thumb. If any of you are from Michigan, you know where I'm talking about, right? Um, but but it was a, we, 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 we had a house. It was a church parsonage, but it was a house. It wasn't an apartment any longer, right? We had kids. We had all four of our children by that point. Uh, um, they were toddlers running around the house. And this was it. We were going to celebrate our own Christmas, right? But we had to have a tree. So Jamie and I set this tree up meticulously, right? The perfect tree in our new house, everything was coming together. I cranked down the stand as well as I could do. Um, We decorated the entire tree and our tree at that point, uh, um, my wife and I both had ornaments from when we were kids. So we we decorated with all of our childhood ornaments, were were decorated all over that. Um, And I I would venture to say on some level, we we were kind of proud of it, right? We had a house, we had children, we had a Christmas tree. What else do adults need to do, right? We're like checking all the boxes. We went to bed. Actually, on this first one, we were just in our bedroom, I think. And I heard a loud bang, crash, smash. Okay, so now you're cluing in just a little bit. We come running out. Jamie and I come running out. And there in our living room is my four-year-old son, TJ, standing there looking at us. And next to him was this. Okay. He was none the wiser. I think he kind of liked the excitement of it all, right? But Christmas tree on the ground. Remember what we had it decorated with, right? Ornaments from our childhood. Like I have ornaments that say 1976, like the year I was born. All over the ground. Sorry, Mom. Lots, lots of them are broken at this point. Wait, the story goes on, by the way. Um, lots of ornaments broken on the ground. Um, to this day, we're not exactly sure how that tree went over, I am not blaming TJ. (laughs) I'm just saying, a four-year-old was standing next to the tree, now it's on the ground, okay? Maybe something happened, maybe it didn't, right? Said, okay, not a great start to the Christmas tree. Next year, okay, we're not gonna let that happen again. Crank it down, everything's on there. Uh, We actually uh, um, got a little bit of a fence, we put a fence around our (laughs) Christmas tree. To like keep the kids out, not to keep animals out, just to keep the kids out, right? We're like, okay, we're going to take care of this. All of a sudden, what do we hear? Smash, crash again. We come out, no kids near it, Christmas tree on the ground, right? Broken again. Look at Jamie, I'm like, what is going on? Like we are ruining Christmas. Our Christmas tree is breaking every single year. That went on for at least four to five Christmases, yeah, and so now all of you are thinking, like, he is pretty slow on the uptake. Like, why did it take him every year? I'd crank it down. to I'm like, no, we got it balanced this year, James. No problem. Crash. Ornaments broken all over the floor, right? I swear, probably four to five years, tree every single year went over. Never hurt anybody, but always went over. Finally, I said, you know what? No more of this. So we set up the tree. I took a little bit of twine to the very top, tied it to my curtain rod. Okay? I thought, okay, this year, Christmas is going to be right. I'm finally going to do the tree right. I've never done it right. It always breaks. This time, I've got it. Crash, bang, boom, more broken things. I come out, and not only is the Christmas tree laying on the ground, but you want to know where my curtain rod is? (laughs) On the ground as well. So now I ruined my curtain rod as well. The final year, I'm like, I cannot do this any longer. We got twine, and I had two points of tie-down on opposite sides, and I went into the curtain rod holders that went into the studs, and I made sure that I had really long screws into those. Didn't fall that year. Here's the point. As hard as we tried, as much as we uh, endeavored to create this perfect Christmas, this is what resulted in it. And I think maybe you can empathize a little bit. I would guess that there are times when our Christmases feel a little bit like that. Broken relationships, broken families, broken jobs, just broken all around. What is kind of emblematic of my Christmas is probably true of all of us on some level, right? In our Christmases. Today, that's what we want to look at, We want to recognize the reality of the brokenness in which we live. But here's the good news, that's exactly why we celebrate Christmas, is to restore things like that and people like you and me. So that's going to be our theme tonight, simply Christmas broken, Christmas restored. Uh, but I've got kind of four points. If you're a studious type and you like to follow along, we're going to loosely be going on two separate areas. Uh, first one, we're going to talk about brokenness and alone, being alone. Second part, restored and together, okay? Um, that's kind of where we're heading. But before we jump into it, I've got a quiz for you. What do you think the percentage of Americans are that celebrate Christmas? This is from a Pew Research study. Uh, this was 2017, so things have maybe shifted a little bit, but it's fairly recent. Percentage of Americans who celebrate Christmas, what do you think? Brave souls, yell out a percentage. 84. 84? 85. 85? Okay. Now, remember, the question was just really, really kind of a blanket question. Do you celebrate Christmas? About 90%. Yeah. So about 90% of Americans celebrate Christmas in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Well, but we got to dig down a little bit deeper. Another question they asked, how many or what percentage consider Christmas a religious holiday? Okay, so now they're going down a little bit. Okay, we got... Now, now to be fair, this one's going to fragment a little bit. And um, we're going to see a little bit of the progression. So we'll talk about greatest generation, so those that are the oldest among us, down to millennials. So they kind of separated them based on those. Here's the percentages for that. 60% for the greatest generation. Millennials, which I, this target always moves around, 30 and under, let's say that, 35 and under, about 32%. Consider Christmas a religious holiday, okay? So we started out pretty good at 90%, but things are changing a little bit, right? Changing a little bit. Okay, one more. Uh, They asked, do you believe that this is a historical account of Jesus' birth? Do you believe in the virgin birth, that Jesus was laid in a manger, that wise men came to see him, and that uh, the shepherds were told about Jesus' birth? So um, in our reading today from Luke chapter 2, um, all of those things were there in some sense. Wise men haven't come quite yet, but they will soon, right? So they asked, do you believe in those things? Here's our percentages. About 70%, greatest generation, millennials about 44%. Okay? So these are the facts of the birth of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Okay. Now, my guess is... Um, none of these statistics necessarily surprise you because this is the world in which we live. Especially, I would say, if you're younger, you say, this is all that I've ever known, right? Um, this, this is what I've grown up in. But here's the thing I think we want to ask of ourselves. Then, then what significance or what impact does Christmas then have for us? If, if a vast uh, majority of our world celebrates Christmas but a small percentage actually celebrates it uh, um, and understands what it means and thinks of it as a religious holiday, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. So we wanna ask ourselves, why does Christmas matter? Why does the birth of our savior matter? Here's the reason why. Because of brokenness and because of loneliness. And those are the two things that we want to look at. You're welcome to follow along with me if you'd like. I'm going to read for you just our first uh, few verses of our text. So, Luke chapter 2, I'll read verses 4 through 7. The text says this So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. It's remarkably bare and stark, isn't it? The birth of Jesus Christ, the birth of our Savior, right? Um, In fact, even as we read the words, right? And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, right? Pretty simple and matter of fact, but we got to ask ourselves a little bit, how, how perfect was that Christmas for Joseph and Mary? I think it's a question worth asking of ourselves because it probably wasn't exactly what Joseph and Mary pictured, right? Maybe they had planned to give birth in Nazareth and yet now, because of a decree, they have to go all the way to Bethlehem. So imagine being nine months pregnant and having to make that journey to Bethlehem. Not necessarily the ideal picture-perfect Christmas that you wanted in your mind or the birth of your first son for Mary or for Joseph. And yet they make the trip. When they get there, what happens? No guest room available. The only spot that was available was a feeding trough where you threw the slop for the pigs or the animals. That would become the manger of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes for just a minute. Did it seem like the ideal start for Christmas or the birth of their Savior? I'd venture to say no. If they had had their way or if they could have had their wish list to God above, I don't think any of these things would have been included on it, right? Healthy birth of a child, absolutely, but not traveling to Bethlehem, not placing your child in a feeding trough, not finding no room in anyone's living or house. You maybe wonder if they thought a little bit, is this the right path? How broken their Christmas may have felt right at the start. And I think we understand that a little bit too. Have you ever seen this movie? <laughs> okay, some of you, those that are giggling, have seen it. Now, okay, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. We're going to have two generational things here. So some of you that have seen uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, I think 1984 about 1984, so you've given away that you're a little bit older, right? Um, Those that are younger that have never seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, stick with me. I've got something for you in just a minute. Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, it's actually a Thanksgiving movie. It's not a Christmas movie, but you know the summary of what happens in it, right? Um, um, So uh, Steve Martin, his character from New York is trying to get back home for Thanksgiving dinner in Chicago um, all kinds of things happen. Cars break down. Flights are canceled. Snowstorms. Uh, he ends up meeting up with John Candy's character. And John Candy's character kind of causes all kinds of chaos as well. And you can, if, even if you haven't seen the movie, you kind of can picture what was happening, right? One thing after another. Uh, one problem after another. Um, would he ever get home to his family? I don't know if any of you remember how that, movie ended though. He gets to Chicago and he finally makes it home, right? Um, He finally is about to be there with his family and his kids on Thanksgiving. It's exactly what he wanted. After all of this chaos, after all of this brokenness, he finally gets there and it's going to be the perfect Thanksgiving. But before he goes, something rings in his mind about John Candy's character. And he goes back to the train station And there he is sitting there. See, John Candy's character had no place to go home to. In fact, he had traveled through all of the brokenness of that trip with Steve Martin, but he had no one waiting for him. Steve Martin comes to the the train platform and he says, yeah, my wife actually died eight years ago. Right? What does he do? He says, you come home with me. Right? I've got a place for you. It's a funny movie, it's heartfelt at the end, but I think it also gives us some understanding because we understand how difficult and how broken and how frustrating life can be, right? I know for a fact there are some of you, at least one of you here, whose flight got canceled back to the Midwest and now he gets to spend the Christmas with us, right? How frustrating travel can be. How frustrating trying to get to the people and the place that you love when you can't do it. But that's probably just the tip of the iceberg of our brokenness, isn't it? Think about the struggles of finances around Christmas time. Maybe the loss of a job. Maybe the threat of the loss of a job. Maybe finances are way tighter this year than they've ever been in a very long time. Your desire is to produce a perfect Christmas for you and your family. Maybe it's not possible, right? Maybe it's diagnosis of disease, a tumor, chronic pain, and illness. Maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one, without a spouse that's in eternity, right? A grandpa or a grandma, maybe even a child. See, I think we get it. If you've traveled for any length of time in this life, you understand how broken, how painful, how flawed and how imperfect almost every single situation is. We know the brokenness, don't we? You know the brokenness. But here's the interesting thing about that. Um, You're pretty well-adjusted adults. You say, yeah, 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 I think I am, <laughs> right? See, the thing about brokenness and even some of those things is on some level we can, we can weather those, right? We can, we can bear up under those. We can adapt to those. We can adjust to those. And it's not easy and it's not fun and it's, and it's, not, and, and it's maybe not what we have chosen, but some of the brokenness of the world, we, we will make it through. You will make it through that. But you want to know when, those, when that brokenness becomes much, much harder? It's when you're alone. John Candy's character realized that at the end of the movie, right? Brokenness is one thing, suffering is one thing, but it's a whole other level when you're completely alone, right? Which brings us to our second point there. See, I said I had something for every generation. Who is this? If you're young, this is Taylor Swift, okay? This is Taylor Swift. If we have any Swifties out there, maybe they're going to get after me after the sermon. I don't know, right? This is Taylor Swift. Uh, This is the lead single off of her newest album, which I think is Midnight or Midnight's, something like that, right? You've maybe heard it on the radio. Your kids maybe have. Um, It's a fascinating song that she's written specifically about relationships, about looking at our own actions, who we are and what we've done, Some of you maybe know Taylor Swift's history just a little bit. Um, She dates quite a bit and then um, the unlucky boys that she dates end up in songs. So I don't know if that's good or bad. Hopefully they get some royalties or whatever, right? But she's kind of been through that and grown up in the public eye. This is Um, one of her latest songs and they did an interview with her and she said um, that this is her favorite song. This is her most honest song that she's ever written, that she's ever sung. This is what the lyrics look like. Some of you, if you're Swifties, you're going to like try to sing this. I am not going to sing this. I end up in crisis, tale as old as time. Oops, I jumped in. I should not be left to my own devices. They come with prices and vices. I end up in crisis, tale as old as time. I wake up Screaming from dreaming, one day I'll watch as you're leaving because you got tired of my scheming for the last time. It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. At tea time, everybody agrees. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always rooting for the antihero. Um, I don't know that this was drawn directly from Scripture, <laughs> but she has a pretty good grasp on sin. And our own culpability, right? And so when we talk about brokenness, and we talk about what it does to our relationships, and at times, leaves us alone, ultimately begins with each and every one of us, doesn't it? Certainly, brokenness and suffering are out there, but the truth is, it's in me. In my heart, in my actions, in the things I do, the things I leave undone, it's in us, right? Right? So, does your Christmas feel a little bit like that? Maybe you're saying it didn't until you talked about it, Pastor. (laughs) Sorry. The truth is, I think all of us feel that on some level or or another, whether we admit it or not, right? A level of brokenness, and at times, isolation and loneliness. If you felt that way, you're in luck, because that's exactly what Christmas is for continue with our text, or actually C.S. Lewis talked about that a little bit. If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthy pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. So if 90% of our world celebrates Christmas, but a small percentage see it as a religious holiday, and even fewer, maybe, that it is real, (laughs) I think this gives us an idea that there is something missing. C.S. Lewis points it out, right? There is a gaping hole of absence when we see the brokenness and the solitude in our lives. Christmas is the answer To both of those. Continue with our text. Read uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, And lying in a manger. Christ is the answer to our longing. Christmas is the answer to our brokenness and at times our solitude. Because you want to know who understood both those things? Our Lord and Savior did. In fact, that is why he was born in a manger in a feeding trough. God looked down at us and saw the mess that we had created and said, Rather than making them climb to us, I am going to go to them. I will be born. I will live. Be persecuted, humiliated, eventually death on a cross and resurrection. Our God above, that Christ child, understands brokenness and loneliness. And that is exactly why he came. And that is the point of Christmas, God entered our mess, our brokenness, our shattered lives in order to lift us from it. And he's done that in Christ. Jesus' death on the cross from manger to crucifixion means that your sins are forgiven. It means that, that um, um, you are loved, that you are valued, that you have an eternal home in heaven because of Christ. It means that that brokenness and that suffering uh, that may not go away In an instant, but God promises you that He will walk with you through it, and in fact, He will use it for your good and the good of those around you. Christ knew brokenness and pain and imperfect Christmases. That's exactly why He was born. He was born for you, so that you would know without a shadow of a doubt whether you have a a, a house full of people or you're alone that you have a Savior that loved you enough to take on human flesh, to give his life on a cross for you so that your sins would be washed clean. And we long for it, don't we? Like C.S. Lewis, we long for it, right? The real thing, which is not this, it's eternity, right? Where we find hope, where we find peace, where we find perfect love and forgiveness. Our imperfections are restored, forgiven, on account of Christ. continue with our text. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That Christ child is the reason we are restored, that you are forgiven. Book of Hebrews goes into that just a little bit more. New Testament book, says this specifically about the purpose of Jesus taking on human form, being born in Bethlehem. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Christ's birth was for a purpose. and That purpose was you wash your sins clean to restore what our sins have created right forgiveness in jesus here's the beautiful thing about that god says we don't have to do that alone continue in verse 16 after the shepherds heard they hurried off and found mary and joseph and the baby who were lying in a manger when they had seen him they spread the word concerning what had been told them and about this child All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These shepherds heard the birth of Jesus and couldn't stop themselves from going to see him. And after they saw him, what did they do? They told everyone they knew. And they did it together with other people. And that's not by accident. The very first Christmas service had people there sharing the good news that Christ was born. Right, and our text tells us that all were amazed at what had happened. Right, the same is true for us. There's a pretty common um, assumption that at the holiday season, um, that that struggles and difficulties kind of rise and get higher and higher, right? Past hurts and pains, and even mental health, and all of those things get, get uh, become more intense at Christmas time. I think most of us kind of think, yeah, that sounds about true. Some scientists studied it. They actually did a study of it. And what they found was a little bit counterintuitive. They said that leading up to Christmas and on Christmas specifically, uh, um, ER visits due to mental health issues, due to people just really, really struggling, actually take a nosedive. They go down, right? Now, do you think it's because people stopped struggling at Christmas time? It's not because of that. Their theory is, it's because at Christmas, those that are struggling are surrounded by loved ones, people around them. You want to know when those uh, ER visits go through the roof? January and February, when they're alone. I think it's a good reminder to us that we do this together. The brokenness, the pain, we do this together most importantly, with our Lord and Savior. Uh, I don't know if your Christmas, I hope, did it. have any of your trees ever fallen over? Please, yes, yes, thank you. Hey, I got more than, good, thank you. I'm not, thank you that your tree fell over. I'm sorry about that. Thank you that I'm not alone. It's possible that maybe your Christmas looks a little bit like this. Maybe not physically, but maybe emotionally. Maybe it's a train wreck. But the good news we have is that Christ came for train wrecks and broken people like us. And so I want to leave us with three things this Christmas. You take these home with you. The first is that you know. That you know that you are forgiven, that you know that you are loved, and that you know you have eternal life in Christ as your Lord and Savior. That his birth meant his death and his resurrection. Number one, that you know, right? You are never so broken, so lost, uh, or so on the outside looking in that Christ did not die for you, Okay? know that. The second is look. Look around you. For those that are broken, for those that are in pain, for those that are alone, you won't have to look very far. And in fact, some of those people are you. But open your eyes, open your hearts, and if they're looking for room, um, open your homes to them, right? Not, there's no room here. Make room, right? Take a look around and find those that are hurt, lost, and alone. Put your arm around them, open your hearts to them, bring Christ to them. And the last one is share, right? Because the only answer for the brokenness of this world is that Christ child born in a manger. Share that good news with the hurting, the suffering, the broken. With your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, whoever is in your home tonight or tomorrow, share the good news and the meaning of Christmas. Sins are forgiven. Eternal life is yours because of that birth in Bethlehem. Amen.